Today's episode of The Doctor's Companion is brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. Welcome to another episode of The Doctor's Companion. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Matt Smith, but not that Matt Smith. And today we're going to be talking about the David Tennant Christmas special uh, Voyage of the Damned, as well as the mini-episode Time Crash. Uh, before we do that, I want to remind everybody that we're from the website mindrobber.net, the home side of Mind Robber Productions, where we talk about all of the things, or all of the Daleks, whatever, on podcasts <laughs> like this one, uh, The Doctor's Companion, where we talk about Doctor Who and all of the Daleks, and our flagship podcast, The Mind Robbers, where we talk about everything else. And if you like our shows, you should review them on iTunes, because that helps. And if you have questions, concerns, comments, that sort of thing, you can email those to podcast at mindrobber.net. And if you want to start a discussion, add it to the comments so everyone can know what you're thinking. Matt. Yes. What say you of the background significance to Time Crash slash Voyage of the Damned? Uh, well, Voyage of the Damned, I guess we'll just start on because it was really kind of put together first. Uh, Voyage of the Damned was a story that was, uh, you know, put to, put on as the latest in the David Tennant Christmas specials having previously done Invasion of Earth, or whatever it was. Um, or Christmas Invasion, sorry. <laughs> invasion of Earth. I was like, wow, they really jumped forward. Guys, that was a really generic title. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, the Christmas Invasion of the Runaway Bride. So Doc, uh, Russell T. Davies decided to do a, a disaster movie, uh, which is a, like a different sort of like genre that was really popular in the 70s with movies like Earthquake and Inf- uh, Inferno or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> and, and more importantly, The Poseidon Adventure. <laughs> that too. Th- that other movie that I haven't seen. Um, I've seen bits and pieces of Earthquake. It's okay. Um, but uh, yeah, and it's directed by James Strong, who I think is uh, one of the more competent Doctor Who directors. He, he has the unfortunate task of... Uh, having directed the New York centric Dalek two parter in season two, or season three rather, but he also directed the Impossible Planet, the Satan Pit, and um, Partners in Crime. So he's he's done some good work, and I think he does some good work here. Uh, Time Crash uh, is a Children in Need special, so it's like eight minutes long, and it's with Peter Davison. So it's the first like real Doctor crossover, if you don't count Dimensions in Time. Uh, which was a, a special in 1993, which was like a 30th anniversary special on the BBC. Um, and did, I've, didn't wasn't there a crossover with a daytime soap opera? Yeah, or East EastEnders, and it had every surviving Doctor in it. And I've heard nothing but bad things. Uh, how bad was it? It had the Ronnie, so it was <laughs> bad. Um, <laughs> and I've I haven't seen it, but I've heard enough bad things that I'm just like I don't need to watch bad Doctor Who. Like if I want to watch bad Doctor Who. I'll just go watch Doctor in Distress again. Um, 
<laughs> but uh no one should do that. No, don't don't do it. Like that that song, the first time I saw that single-handedly made me reconsider my positions on Doctor Who. Uh <laughs> for realsies. Um but uh yeah, so it, it it's the first time that you get a Doctor crossover since D- Dimensions in Time. But if you don't count Dimensions in Time, it's the first since the two doctors uh which is really exciting. Uh and it's and if you want to count as the fifth doctor is the first fifth doctor story since um caves of androzani which is really exciting and they brought back uh for this special story graham harper who had previously directed uh the caves of androzani which was davison's last story and graham harper's first story as a director so it's like sort of a mini reunion uh and as you know it's written by stephen moffat uh which I'll have a little bit more to say about when we start talking about it, but it's it's uh, it's a lot of fun and a lot of people. I I have a feeling that a lot of people don't know this exists. Yeah, <laughs> but, but once you know about it, you it's one of those things that just sticks in the back of your mind like a splinter, um, and mm-hmm. it never really leaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's Time Crash and Voyage of the Damned. Oh, and Voyage of the Damned also has Kylie Minogue, which I only mention. Mostly because of how goddamn excited Russell T. Davies gets in the writer's tale when he announces that he gets uh, Kylie Minogue on the show. <laughs> yeah, because I read that. Yeah, he loses his mind. Yeah, he does. <laughs> uh, before we continue, this a reminder that today's episode is brought to you by InStockTrades.com, where this month you can purchase our book of the month, Avengers, The Children's Crusade by Alan Heinberg and Jim Chung, which you can get for twenty ninety nine. Or uh, which is forty percent off the suggested retail price of thirty four ninety nine. Also, uh, this month forty five percent off all DC Comics, uh, which includes Vertigo titles. Uh, so that's a bargain. Uh, and remember, all orders over fifty dollars get free shipping. So uh, go pick up Avengers: The Children's Crusade and get the first hardcover of uh, Batman: The Court of Owls by Scott Snyder and Greg Caf- uh, Greg Capullo. 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 I almost want to say Capola, Cap Capola or something. I don't know what I was trying to pronounce. <laughs> Greg Coppola. Yeah. Nope. 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 Anyway. Uh, yeah. Because it's excellent. I can't wait for that trade. It's I out. It. You, oh, God. It's out. It's available right now. I think I'm going to buy it from in-stock trades right now. Just hang on a second. <laughs> and so, yeah. Also, also Animal Man. That's out, too. So oh, snap. Yeah, so you can Snappity. you can you can get your total over fifty dollars and get for the free shipping in no time. Woo, woo. Um, in fact, I think I think Batman's fifty percent off right now. That hardcover. Holy crap! Yep, yep. If you haven't read it, guys. It's so holy good. crap! It's so good. <laughs> uh, one of the best Batman stories I've ever read. Um, yeah. and I feel like I'm going to continually say that. I have a feeling that this Batman run. Scott Snyder's Batman run, starting with Black Mirror, is going to be uh, up to the standards of of, uh, of uh, Jeff Johns' Flash run. I just have yeah. a feeling. Yeah. I have a feeling. So, very exciting. Very exciting. Um, all right, so I guess we should probably start with Time Crash. Yes. Uh, since it technically comes for, happens first. Um, it's possibly a shorter discussion, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> we'll find out. Let's find out together. Um. Okay. Uh, 
I have to say, the more the more Davis and I have watched, the more I appreciate this yes. special. Because um, I love it so much. Yeah. <laughs> I love these two guys together. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's a lot of fun. It's, uh, it's, it's a blast. It is. It really is. Uh, <laughs> remember when we loved Stephen Moffat? Can you remember that? Before all of the Daleks? Yeah, yeah, I I remember it, and I kind of see it while I'm watching this. But man, I'll be honest, the bloom has kind of fallen off the rose. <laughs> yeah, it has. Well, here's the thing, and this is like the thing that I keep thinking about with Time Crash is like when I was like, for lack of better term, worshiping at the Moffat altar when um I, I had heard that he took over the show, and like even in like fifth season, like pretty much all the way up to the sixth season, um. And I thought about Time Crash. I always thought about what he said about Time Crash and how people were always like, we, we want to do a multi-doctor crossover. And Moffat's thing about this, and I don't remember where the quote came from, but it was something that Moffat said, was uh, why would you want a full Doctor Who crossover story? Really, all that you want them to do is sit around for five minutes, point at e- poke at each other for fun, and then leave. And at the time, I was like, no, you're kind of right, because, like, Five Doctors is disappointing because they literally spend, like, two minutes hanging out at the very end. Mm -hmm. Now that I'm watching it, I'm like, no, I really want more. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, I mean, it's fun to watch them poke fun at each other, but when that's all you're doing, it's not nearly as fun as it could be. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. I do like the idea that this is Davison. I know that they they chose Davison because one he was available and two he is tech, he is Tennant's doctor. Moffat's um, too, I'd point out. Oh, it is it's Moffat's too. Okay. Yeah. Um so I I mean obviously they they that's why they chose him, but I also think it's fun because you know the most memorable doctor cro- crossover is the five doctors. Um whether or not that's a good thing is another story. Uh, but that is obvi- that's going to be the most memorable one. I mean, when you think of a Doctor crossover, that's the first one that comes to my mind. Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, so I think it's interesting, and, and it's a nice touch that this is the first Doctor crossover in so long because we're seeing it through the eyes. Uh, we're seeing Davison as like the guest Doctor through the eyes of Tennant, the current Doctor, and at the time it was the opposite when during the fifth. Mm-hmm. The five doctors. It was Davison was the current doctor and was looking back at his other doctors. So mm-hmm. I I liked that just juxtaposition. I guess that little Definitely. switcheroo. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, it's also I think it's also fun to note that Davison is not wearing his costume. He's actually wearing Colin Baker's costume. Yeah, because he he's like gotten bigger since he was like. Like, you know, in his early 30s when he took over the role. Or, like, cause when he left, he was, like, 31 or 32. Uh, and so he's wearing, like, Colin Baker pants because Colin Baker couldn't fit in the pants. So mm-hmm. <laughs> Davison's wearing Colin Baker's old pants, which begs the question, who the hell had his pants for all this time? Because we're mm-hmm. just... I don't know. That's really funny. Because he's, he's wearing the costume that Colin Baker wore when he regenerated. That's what yeah. he's wearing. Mm-hmm. So I just think it's it's funny that... The, like somebody, like I think it's 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 really funny that the BBC were like, let's burn all the tapes, but we should save the costumes. <laughs> <laughs> we should probably save the costumes. Yeah, because you they- never know. You <laughs> never know, guys. Maybe this will be popular once again. Maybe 
Someone just. What if they saved it because they're like, I don't know about this Colin Baker guy. <laughs> we might have to rewind this regeneration. Or, or like, maybe we need to rewind the costume a little bit. <laughs> go back to the old one. Uh, I'll be honest, Colin Baker really does look good in Davison's costume. I would like to point out he does. Uh, yeah, it's 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 weird, but it it doesn't look bad like by any stretch. Yeah. Because when um because like we didn't talk about it in Robot, but when when Tom Baker's wearing Pertwee clothes, it's really bizarre. It is. Yeah, it's true. That is very true. <laughs> But it is, it is, I mean, it is fun, and I don't have a lot to say about it, because Moffat very specifically doesn't give us a lot, except that, I mean, Davison, not only is Davison good, and I know that it's also because he um, was doing Big Finish all through this, but he really doesn't miss a beat. Like, he comes in, like, not kicking and screaming, but, like, on a toboggan, and it's not that Tannen has to catch up, but, like, he's right with them, and they're they're pretty even all through this, and it's... yeah remarkable yeah well and you but you can tell that uh davison is trying to be himself from doctor who though whereas in big finish he's sort of being what he always wanted the doctor to be instead of what the doctor was Mm -hmm. but here he's being what the doctor was yeah which i think is is interesting Mm -hmm. um because he he just has so much energy yeah i think and like well, that's a that's a weird conversation because like I love Davison as he was on the show. Um, I mean, I th- I think he's brilliant, but I think that like at the moment, Davison really needs to play and like and this is a thing that we've talked about off mic when it comes to big finish and stuff. But like Davison, I feel I don't know if he should ape what he used to do or be what he thinks it should be. Because Davison's such a good actor that I'm willing to trust him with whatever he goes with, so long as they give him material that echoes that. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I and I and I think he's really good here at being like the old, you know, A's doctor and not being like the older gentleman that he's being in his big finish. Um, but at the same time, I'm wondering like, because when they do the Doctor Who crossover that they're doing in the 50th anniversary which they've said they're not doing but how are they like how can they not do that like Moffat is such a nerd that it makes no sense for them to not try um I'm wondering how they're going to uh how 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 Davidson's gonna play that it makes me really curious to see cause I, this makes me want more Davidson <laughs> <laughs> like uh. Davidson on a Davidson on a modern budget sounds awesome to me like just so awesome. So does Colin Baker. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> just Colin Baker finally getting to play the Doctor as he wanted him to be played. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That should be the greatest triumph. That's what I want from the 50th anniversary. Is I want Colin Baker to be the Hulk of the 50th anniversary. <laughs> like yes. Come come out of nowhere and just like gobsmack everyone in the mouth. And then just go away, and like as he go- as he leaves, he's just like big finish, and he just leaves. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I want out of the fiftieth anniversary. Like I, it'll be fun to see uh, everyone back because I, I, again, I have no like they have not confirmed anything, but it's it's foolish to think they're not going to try their damnedest to get everyone on. And Colin mm-hmm. Baker would be the first in line to do it. Like. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, fracking lutely he would. Um, 
And uh, I just, I don't know, I really want him to come out in that 50th anniversary and just slap everyone in the face with awesome. Like, I want that so bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny, though, about the whole idea of a multi-doctor crossover, and this is probably something more that we'll get into when we talk about the five doctors um, next year sometime. But uh, the three doctors in two weeks. Well, well, but the three doctors doesn't doesn't suffer from this problem. Oh. Um, the the idea of having all of the doctors having separate adventures and then only coming together toward the end. Mm-hmm. I don't think in modern storytelling fashion that that is inherently a bad idea. Agreed. Because I would love to see the doc each doctor have their own little mini adventures and then come together in the last act of the story. Yeah. yeah. I think that's kind of the only way you should do it, honestly. Agreed. Um yeah. that well, way everybody also- well that way everybody gets to be the star of their own story. Mhm. Until you do the big team up. Yeah. And that and then that's like that's like something that's easily remedied because it's like the doctor can handle anything at all that he's ever handled. Like he can handle it by himself. Uh, you need to come up with a big threat to match, like, a multi-doctor crossover. Like, you'd need, and, like, it's the same thing where it's, like, why is Loki the best villain for the Avengers? Like, why would that work? And, like, thematically, Mm. it works, but you also need to have a giant Chutari invasion at the end of the, at the end of the movie. Um, Dude, 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 (laughs) bear with me. I think you'll, I think you'll agree this is a good idea. Mm. The Nyman. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i'd back that yep <laughs> i would absolutely back that i'm not even joking i know I I i'm not either the nyman <laughs> the nyman oh man how crazy would that be and it's like you know oh god a nyman like if they adapted if they adapted that mcgann big finish story but only instead of the different time periods with mcgann and that guy it's that guy and all the different doctors oh yeah so like like Instead of it's like Horns of Nyman, except like with seeds of or not seeds of death, but like City of Death in there. Yes. Oh yeah, that the, Moffat. I I'll write this for you, Moffat. I got this. <laughs> <laughs> now I want uh, that. Now I want that so bad. And then it's yeah. like a a trans a trans temporal invasion where the Nyman invite all invade all time sectors at once. Yes. That's, that's cool. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh Damn. my god. Now, 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 now I'm like, how many doctors can we squeeze into this thing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Colin Baker has a sword fight with that guy. Oh, bring that on. Bring that on. Dude. Oh. oh. Dude. I can't even. <laughs> I can't even function right now. I just want it. All right, so... guys. End up the doctor's companion. Have a good week. We'll talk about <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, but no, yeah. Bring that on. Bring that on. And um, I'm. I don't know. It just makes this this sort of thing makes me really excited for uh, for uh, the fiftieth in a lot yeah. of ways. Uh, yeah, and, that's next year, right? Oh yeah, next year. Man. Oh yeah, man. Doctor Who's gonna be fifty. Good on it. Yeah, good on it. If only it had stayed on the air this entire time. I've I've seen it. That show needed to die for a while. <laughs> well, it really did. 
Well, I, I don't think it needed to die. I think it just... It needed somebody who cared, and unfortunately, no one cared. It, people cared. It's just the show really needed to go well, away and think about itself for a while. It really did. Uh-huh. And then come back. Like, no, no, no. It, it, it did. Because that... Because by the time that Doctor Who was canceled, it had crawled so far up its own ass that it was hard to do anything. I mean, the McCoy era was a lot of solution, but that the show got canceled and that the show came back, the show is much better for it, I believe. Mm. Like, especially because, like, you know, without the show, go- like, the sh- problem with the show also is that by the time the Colin Baker, and this is something that I've been reading on this blog I read, um... By the time the show hit Colin Baker, the show was under the weight of 22 seasons that came before it, by the, of the 22 seasons that came before it, to the point where it couldn't escape any of that and really needed to just, like, start over. And the version of starting over, like, part of that was also, if you're going to start over, people thought, well, you either restart the show or you do the McGann movie. And, you know, that McGann movie clearly didn't work. Uh, but, you like, it just it needed time, I think. And it needed to rebuild the fan base. And it really needed to do some stuff and come back a little bit stronger, I think. Hmm. Um, yeah. Especially because the rebirth is so like it's just so strong now. Like it's so much stronger now than I th- I think it ever was. Yeah, uh, yeah. So and it it needed all these things. It needed all of it. Um, it did. Yeah. So it did. If I I agree. I think that if it had been on and it would hit and it hit season fifty, that'd be pretty great. But we'll get there eventually. I'm just wondering what Doctor Who in 1994 would have looked like. <laughs> It would have been way better than Doctor Who in 1985. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> just like if it had just kept going, you know. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I just wonder what it would have looked like. I was wondering that while I was watching, uh, the uh, the last McCoy episode we watched. I was yeah. just thinking about that. And I was like, I wonder what that would look like. That's so mm-hmm. weird. Especially because it like it it evolves so specifically as a show. Like really, the problem is like. The BBC wouldn't let Nathan Turner leave at a certain point because it was like, if you leave, we're canceling the show. And Nathan Turner was like, well, you can't cancel Doctor Who. And then, so he stayed on. But, like, the show really needed him to leave, but it also couldn't have him leave or the show would have died on the spot. Right. Uh, because so nobody like, wanted to pick up the slack. See, that's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there there wasn't anybody who cared like Jonathan Nathan Turner did. Dude, one-year-old me would have taken over that show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, um, last thing I want to say about Time Crash is uh, the the vintage music was awesome, and I never noticed it until now. Yes, I didn't notice the vintage music until I watched it this time, and I was like, "Oh, that's nice." Yeah, it's pretty great. I like that. Pretty all right. Great. So anyway, Voyage of the Damned. <laughs> yes. Uh, the di- the Doctor versus Space Titanic. Yes. Um. I really like this, but at the same time, like, I do really like it, but it really just, first of all, how many people can die the same death in this, (laughs) like, the exact same death? There's a lot of vertigo in this movie. Like, there's a lot of it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, But, like, not only that, but it's just, it, it feels... It it almost feels too much like a spoof of the Poseidon adventure. Like, it makes it hard to take it seriously. Sure. I see that. Um, but 
especially if you've seen Poseidon Adventure, like <laughs> that section where they're trying to get over the fire, like that's that's actually that's just a part of that movie. Um, <laughs> so I, you know, I just I really like it. I do. Uh, there's also a few points where it's it's really overly dramatic, um, like after Astrid gets killed and oh spoilers, uh, no, I'm just uh, <laughs> after Astrid gets killed. And which which makes me sad because I still say she would have been an awesome companion. Oh sure. Uh, um, but I guess that's sort of the point. Uh, Astrid gets killed, and the doctor like dramatically walks away from fire in slow motion and snaps his fingers, and the angels pick him up and fly him away. Like, really? <laughs> that's a little much. Yeah, it is. That's a little much. It is. Um. But there's, I mean, there's, there's, uh, there's, there's a lot of things to like. Uh, the one thing too, um, the part in the kitchen, I believe, uh, yes. when when the doctor gets uh, gets surrounded by the angels and uh, he's like, he's like, uh, protocol one, security protocol one. I get to ask three questions, and then he accidentally asks two. Um, I was like, oh man, that's. That's totally a Douglas Adams thing. <laughs> that it is. That it is. Yeah. I was like, that is that's that's something right out of like Hitchhiker's Guide. Yeah. Big yeah. time. Um, but, I, but I do like it. I mean it, Yeah. It, well, yeah. I mean that's one of the that's one of the things I think we like about Douglas Adams. <laughs> oh right, his humor, not his story structure. Right, yeah. His he has a good great sense of humor, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. He he does. He's just not so good at telling stories. Right, right, right. <laughs> no, you're not right. You're not wrong. Um, yeah, I I I agree. Uh, but I, I and the thing that's interesting about that is like because I've seen it, I've seen this a fair amount of times. Like I think, have you? Isn't this like the second time you have watched it? Or yeah, something? I haven't seen it since it aired. Wow, that's that's intense. Because I've rewatched the. Tenant years several times. Just well, I, I have two, but I didn't own them until recently. Um, mm. And this, for some reason, this particular episode wasn't on Netflix until like a year ago. That's so bizarre. Yeah. It was, they had every episode on instant streaming except for this one. It was weird. It makes no sense. It, it, almost, it was almost like they didn't mean it. Like they just, no one at Netflix cared enough to notice that it was missing. <laughs> And to make whatever call they needed to make to get it up there, uh, that's what it seemed like. So, yeah. well, it is one of the longer stories. Like it's definitely seventy minutes long, which is, yep, very very strange. Um, but uh, what I what I find myself like noticing about, especially the angels part, is like knowing where it's going makes me pay attention a lot more to the elements that Davies throws in, um, going into it, and like. I don't know. I I feel like especially the the angels part like that had me on the edge of my seat only because I kept paying attention to see if tenant or the doctor was asking a question in there. And it's so very specifically measured that I have to applaud that speech because it is not a small speech um that it doesn't like give anything away, which I really like about it. Um uh, but but yeah, I don't know everything from <laughs> Everything from like the opening theme music, like I, I have to throw it to season four. Season four's opening, like rendi- Murray Gold's rendition of the Doctor Who theme, is easily in my top three of it of all time. Like 
Mm-hmm. I, I just every time I watch it, I'm instantly transported to the first time I watched this story and the first time I heard that rendition, and I was just pumping my fist in the air because I was like, "Oh yes, here we go." Mm-hmm. Um, and that mm-hmm. was a hell of a week. I will let you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's it. Yeah, I don't know. I I I'm just reminded instantly of how much I enjoy Davies' vision of the show and how much. It has informed everything about how I understand Doctor Who and how I had come to stories uh, with regards to Doctor Who, you know? Yeah. Also, yeah. I I have to say that the um, – having watched this, this is just the second time. And remember, the first time I saw this was when it aired. So – Which was like – which was like well over four years ago. Yeah, 2007. Yeah. Um, Christmas Day, 2007. Uh, so what's weird about the scene where they go to Earth and the doctor has that conversation where he meets Wilfred for the first time, um, yeah. Donna's grandpa. What's interesting about that is, one, knowing that Russell T. Davies has no idea who this guy is. Like, like... Like so much, like when he was writing this episode, he has no, he has no idea that this was going to be Donna's grandpa. No idea. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But <laughs> somehow, like that scene still feels so creepy because you know that this guy is responsible for the death of the tenth Doctor. Yes. And not only that, but he's responsible for the death of the tenth Doctor because he's trapped. In a trapped in a in a in a booth, and where is he when he first meets the doctor? He's in a bloody booth. He's working in a booth. <laughs> I was like, man, if I didn't know any better, I'd swear he knew better. Yeah, and all of that is serendipity. I mean, like yeah. by the time that Davies started writing, or not even started writing End of Time, but like when he was thinking about End of Time. The de- death by Wilfred was not something he was considering. Like he, and you can see it in the in the writer's tale. Like he mentions that. Like he's talking about how what if he saves some random guard? But what is a random guard? And I have to do something with Wilfred. And and there's actually because the emails are all unedited by Ed, by Ben Cook who uh, co-wrote the book. Um, but you can see the moment where Davies figures out that Wilfred is responsible. And it's I mean I don't know if you've gotten that far, but it is a chilling moment. And it's completely serendipitous which is really kind of weird and strange but like if you didn't know that you'd really kind of expect it because it's blends so seamlessly yeah um and that's awesome yeah uh, it's way awesome and way underrated as like a story thing so yeah. yeah totally totally deserve like the 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 chill factor of it oh yeah because mm-hmm. it's brilliant um uh i also i have to mention mr copper uh, one, because I think that he is wonderfully acted by, uh, what's his name? Um, Mr. Oh, I don't have, oh God, how do I not? Oh, Clive Swift, uh, who I recently just revisited a couple weeks ago when I did a blog for, uh, Classical Gallifrey, uh, cause he's in that story as the, uh, manager of the funeral parlor that Davros is in control of. And Ooh. yeah, well, he this actually him in this made me really want to go rewatch that story because he is so good all the time. He like is. 
he is mind blowing in this. Like I love him in this. He is easily my favorite part of this whole story. Uh, just everything about him is so vulnerable, but also like he's got all the great lines. <laughs> Every time he talks about Christmas and the mythology of Christmas, I just laugh. I can't not because it's so crazy. Like it's so crazy. Uh, it's just it's just nuts and it's like one of those cheeky british things that still just like it's because it's so bizarre like there's that thing where they're like and then at the end of the day all of the all of the all of the people invade the country turkey kill it and then eat the people of turkey it's (laughs) (laughs) i love that i loved all of that stuff that he gets wrong it's amazing oh (laughs) <laughs> and like and and just when when he when the doctor finally sets him loose on earth just the idea that he's going to be making these assumptions about people for years <laughs> where he's just like where he's just like on boxing day he's just walking around in a like a, a suit made of pillows like pierce did on community just like not wanting to get punched and boxing gloves, and every time somebody gets near gets near him, he punches them. <laughs> he might have a million dollars, but he's going to get arrested really fast. <laughs> and then he's going to have some awkward stuff, because I don't think he has ID. Like, did the doctor think about this yeah, when he just set him out on Earth? Well, like, <laughs> well to be fair, if you have a million dollars, you can find a way. Yeah, but here's the thing. A million dollars, sure, it's a lot of money. That money will run out quick. If you think you have a lot of money, that money runs out quick. Because you just yeah. start spending. Yeah. You can't do anything, though. You need ID to get, like, an apartment. You need, like, you need these things. And Mr. Copper is just so happy that you're just, like, you don't want to tell him all of the, all of the weird bureau- bureaucratical things that happen on the planet Earth. Like, it's just... It's weird. You'd think he'd know. You'd think he'd know. Um, but yeah. Uh. <laughs> oh man. Uh, but no, he's good. And like all of the stuff with him, like the emotional stuff with him, is all like the best that Davies does. Like it's so interesting and like tragic, but also heartwarming, and like just feeds into the idea that this is just a a fun Christmas romp that you'd watch with the kids on Christmas, um, which is exactly what these things need to do. Uh, that, you know, that that's great. I love all that. Um, and it's really, it's really fun. Mm-hmm. I'll also point out that Rickston Slade is a jerk. Like, yeah, he is. And he <laughs> survives. Yes. He survives and you think he's changed. And then he's like, so I'm rich. What do you think about that, doctor? <laughs> and then he takes the phone call. I was like, wow, you you are a dick. <laughs> he really is. And like every time I watch this, I'm like, oh, he's not that bad. He's just that guy who's really rude. And then I look at him and he's like, no, he is like calling people fatty and like, you know, for all, almost pushing people off the edge and to save his own hide. It is really despicable. <laughs> He's really awful. awful. Yeah. And he like, survives. It all works for his fa- into his favor. Because not only does he survive, but he's yeah. also rich. Yeah. Good times. God. God. Uh, so, so he's bad. Uh, but, I mean... He's rest- basically he's basically the Charlize Theron of this movie. 
You're not wrong. Um, young, young Adult 2, Starship Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd watch that. Um, so... <laughs> But yeah, he's he's a jerk, and I'd forgotten how much of a jerk he is. But he's a jerk, and um, I really love Morvan and Foon, even though Morvan and Foon are the quintessential Davies writing silly fat people. Um, yeah, they are. Which like they're the they're the poster children for that because they they just eat buffalo wings and dress silly. Uh, but I like I don't know I like the relationship like the scene where they um. Where they talk about how, where she goes, she goes, I spent $5,000 on these tickets. It's like a really nice, heartwarming scene. And I love, like, uh, Morvin's reaction to her. And I love her reaction to him. Like, and it's really, like, you know, it's all set up for, we're, I'm, Davey's just saying, I'm going to kill these guys in about five minutes. But at the same time, it's also, like, a really sort of charming, heartwarming like lovely relationship that they have because they don't really need anyone else that I really um I don't know I just really like you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. yeah yeah sure yeah yeah um <laughs> yeah I'm still was... bummed that Astrid didn't get to be a companion oh sure but Kylie Minogue has a music career so yeah well there's that <laughs> yeah hmm. although. Watching it, you're just like, man, you're toast. Like, right from the first get-go, you're like, man, you're toast. Yeah. You're just, you're just done, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Also, the scene with her sacrificing herself would be a lot more dramatic if forklifts were a little faster. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. It's like that scene in uh in Austin in Austin Powers where the bold where the steamroller's coming in front. Yeah. Well and and not only that, but like I'm just saying like they did it in slow motion, so just like insult to injury. Like <laughs> it's already slow, guys. It's already slow. The slow motion is just overkill. Yeah. And they really milk the uh the uh, Max Capricorn Astrid pet, Astrid pet like square off moment oh where they're just god. like yeah like and I, and I was like <laughs> I'm watching it and I'm just like oh my god James Strong you're really good at cross cutting but please stop cross cutting for two seconds and just move the scene along because we get it because I feel like I saw the same shot like five times oh yeah which is way too much uh, also Max Capricorn no. <laughs> Just no. <laughs> like, the line, it really does that. Like, I was just like, hmm. That's, that's not the kind of thing that I like. I don't know. Like, that kind of joke where, like, oh, his gold tooth just does that. Just does the glimmery thing. I'm just like, that's not. No. I don't know. What was it you were saying about, like, because you mentioned him a couple weeks ago, and I forget what story we were doing. You mentioned him as, like, the quintessential Davies villain, like another villain that we had. Um, oh, uh, was it the, uh, was it the, uh, Cyberman Davros? Oh, it, it was Cyberman Davros. Yeah. Cyberos. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. Yeah. They don't do anything it's, for me. It's okay. It's like it's not. It's one of those things where it's like it's not terribly surprising. It's not terribly thematically, like dramatic or anything. It's just like it's just like a sort of 
thing about the disaster movie that you kind of do in Doctor Who. I mean, I don't, I don't love it, but I don't hate it either. Uh, the, it does that joke is okay. I don't, I don't hate those jokes, but um. Uh, also, I was just sick of hearing him say Max. Yeah, they go a little overboard with the cross-cutting between him and two during the really dramatic meteorites are going to hit the ship moment. Mm-hmm. They really mm-hmm. go overboard with showing him saying that over and over and over again throughout the episode. <laughs> Just in general. Well, he really likes his name, which is weird because Max Capricorn is not a great name. I mean, it's a great name from the Davies perspective of like, yeah, it's a good name, but like, it's not like I'd be proud of that name, you know? <laughs> right. I wouldn't I wouldn't own it. Like I own Matt Smith. Like how can I not? But, you know, I, w- <laughs> I wouldn't own Max Capricorn. It doesn't really roll off the tongue, does it? No, but I think that's his power where he's just like say my name. And they're like, <laughs> "All right." He's a little too Bond v- Bond villain for me. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Um and <laughs> certainly one of the weaker points of the story. Although I will say Every time I watch this, I'm always reminded of the uh, we have no budget draft of this story that Davies wrote when he did the first draft. I don't know if you read it, but it it was um, uh, they were going to blow up Buckingham Palace Mm -hmm. instead. And like whenever I watch it, I always think of the cheeky ending where they blow up Buckingham Palace and the. Uh, the flag, I guess it's I guess it's the Union Jack, but Rose would yell at me for it not being the right phrase so i'm not going to say that but it like fry, flies into the picture of max capricorn and is like this super british iconography moment um every time i think of it i always imagine that that's actually what happened and it makes me laugh <laughs> <laughs> uh. but it's it's not like it, i don't know I, I don't like it as much with them not blowing because like part of what like blows my mind and we're going to talk about this when we do um aliens in london in a few weeks but part of what blows my mind is seeing them like Russell T Davies just being completely sacrilegious about everything where he's just like blow up Buckingham Palace <laughs> you know <laughs> and like and like not really caring uh like cuz he does that with Big Ben and i think that like it i mean i know that they couldn't afford it but it i do feel like it's a little bit of a missed opportunity for them to just you know blow it up uh but that's just me so. yeah I really don't like the queen stuff in this. So oh, it's 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 really really weak. Um, like because it's it's really out of place and not necessary at all. Yeah, and it's very blatant that they don't. They obviously couldn't get her. <laughs> right. Well, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but uh, so it so it. it but it's really like sucks. if you really can't get the queen, then just why why are you even doing it? Yeah. It's. It, I mean, obviously, you can't get the queen. Duh. Like, I'm not. I'm not saying obviously, as in oh, it's obviously not her. No, no. Of course, it's not her. Of course, yeah. you would never be able to get the queen to be on Doctor Who. Of course not. So why even do that? Yeah, it's, I, I, it's not. I agree. It, it's not a funny joke. It's. It's just not. It would be funny if it was actually the queen. Mm-hmm. But if you if it's not, then it's not funny. You the joke is lost. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And you've just and you've just wasted two minutes of screen time. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, putting Obama in End of Time. Like it right. doesn't it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And it trim- and it, and it's like I'm not. I I get that you have to make in cultural references. Like I get that, but it just it's so excessively 
extra diegetical, if that makes sense. Like it's it's so beyond the confines of the text that it really just strips you out of it. Like just completely rips you out of it, which is not what you should be doing. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like if if you're gonna and so if you're gonna do the queen or you're gonna do the president of the United States, just make up a fake president or a fake queen and do that because we'll buy that. Don't you don't have to set everything in the real world like you don't have to it's doctor who we know it's not real Mm -hmm. i'm sorry kids (laughs) it's true Mm -hmm. (sighs) i'll mention one more thing and only because every time i see it it makes me just grin a little bit but the first time when i'd finished season three of doctor who and i got to the teaser trailer with the uh the titanic crashing in through the through the tardis and the and the uh the pontoon falling and the doctor seeing that it said Titanic and going nuts. Like I remember when I watched it, I was like, Oh, we're going to the Titanic. So exciting. And I remember that I had to go watch Torchwood cause I was doing a season of Torchwood before the se- the second season of Torchwood before I did uh, the next season of doctor who. So I raced through that season and I remember like, and it still gets me when I watch it now, there's something really entertaining about how Davies really outthink me. And it's not because, and I just, I just didn't have spoilers for it, but like, I didn't realize that it was going to be a starship and seeing that it was like a spaceship Titanic and just seeing that initial shot of Titanic orbiting Earth, like, it still gets me. Like, I just, I love that. And it makes me just so, like, giddy that Doctor Who went and did something that wasn't the Titanic because there's only so much you can do with the Titanic. Well, I Um, love that reveal in that teaser because, you know, the Doctor dresses up in 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 his, you know, his, like, little tuxedo and everything. Mm-hmm. And he's walking around. Everything seems fine. He walks past. He walks past one of the angels, and it's a robot. And he's like, "Oh, that's weird." And then he looks over, and then a little alien walks by, and he's like, "Okay, that's weirder." <laughs> and then he looks out the window. Like I just love that. Like I think that's yeah. good. It was yeah. really well done. It's total Doctor Who, and exactly like I. It just makes me think about like. You know, when I show my kids this story and they see the master two-parter and they're like, oh, Titanic's coming. And then they get Starship's Titanic. It's like, oh, this got cooler, you know? And it's like, I'm, I love that Doctor Who manages to still like, and that's why we watch Doctor Who because we want, it makes us feel like kids. Uh, Will your kids know about Titanic? That's the good, that's the question. Guys, it's a hundred years later. We're still talking about Titanic. It's going to be around. Did you see that collection of tweets about people who had no idea that the Titanic was a real thing? Oh, God. They just thought it was a movie. They're like, <laughs> it was like tweets like, wait, what do you mean the Titanic was was based on a true story? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. People are so disappointing all the time. That's our next generation, guys. All the time. <laughs> They don't That's know like, Titanic is a thing. It's like Holocaust deniers, except much more ignorant. Because they're not, like, choosing to disbelieve. They just don't know. It's like that one thing where, like, every so often a study will come out, and it'll be, like, three out of ten people believe that the Earth goes... Or that the sun goes around the Earth. And you're just like, oh, no. <laughs> like, oh, no. What's happening? <laughs> I don't know. I'll I'll make sure that my kids know about Titanic before I watch this, and I'll tell them the story of the Titanic before then, I hope. Because I'll remember. Okay. 
<laughs> hashtag never forget hashtag 1912 <laughs> hashtag rest in peace Jack and Rose and before we move on I want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by DCBService.com DCBS is the site that lets you order all your monthly comic book statues action figures anything you can get from local comic book shop you can pl- place your orders two months in advance with monthly discount specials up to 75% off and regular discounts of 40% off, ship it as often as you like with the orders as large or small as you like, and you only pay six twenty five in flat rate shipping thanks to DCBService.com. Hashtag, I'll never let you go. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, Patrick Troughton and the evil of the Daleks. Whoa. I'm pretty excited. Whoa. Bring I that am, on. I am pretty I'm excited. so excited. Yeah. Like, I just rewatched this a couple weeks ago, and I'm already aching to rewatch it. That's a good is, sign. Oh, man. And it's one of those things where, like, when I started, I'm going to be like, yeah, this is okay. And then by the end, by, like, episode six, episode seven, I'm going to be like, I can't believe this is almost over. It's one of those, it's one of those great stories that you just don't want to leave ever. Especially when you get to the end. Ugh, awesome. Oh, man. <laughs> Crazy stuff happens, man. Crazy I stuff. I can't wait. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, you can find me at twitter.com slash scottcorelli or twitter.com slash scottcommentary where I live tweet things from time to time. Uh, also, go to the website mindrobber.net and uh, leave comments and check out my short film, Missing the Action. Um, I think that's it. Matt? You can find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Gungadin. Also, my alternate Twitter account, twitter.com slash GDCommentary. We should really do a live tweet of enlightenment. We're overdue. Or caves. One of those. Both of those. Um, <laughs> just saying. Uh, that's where you can find us for Sunday Trek. That's where you can find me for Smash, which is coming. I know I'm teasing it, but I think I'm doing some tomorrow. So keep your eyes peeled, but this is probably not going to be out tomorrow, but you know. <laughs> Smash. And it's got a second season, so man, bring bring it on. Uh, I can't believe it. <laughs> I don't know if I'm watching the second season because the main showrunner left, so we'll see how it goes. Uh, but yeah, there's that. Also, my blog, classicalgallifrey.blogspot.com. Uh, this should be out after I did my post on Destiny of the Daleks. So if I'm still alive, know that Jesus loves me. This I know for I'm still alive. Because um, that story sucks. Um, <laughs> also other stuff coming up. Good stuff. A lot of fun stuff coming from that, from that, uh, on that blog. So keep an eye out. Uh, and that's, that's where you can find me. All right. And we'll see you next week with Patrick Trout and the people of the Dallas. Sounds good, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.